listen to me. Trader, I believe that you've received the death message from our ninja empire. Ninja is supreme and you have double-crossed it. Why did you do that? I have to reform the ninja empire. That is why I took away it. That is why I took away it. The golden ninja warrior. The golden ninja warrior. You've got three days in which to return the golden ninja warrior. Right? Or else you die. What, 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 what is that? Or else you die. Go, go, go to hell. Welcome to the Golden Ninja Podcast 11 on Thunder of Gigantic Serpent and Kickboxer from Hell. And IFD, as we've told you many times, went through trends, mainly involving ninjas and uh, kickboxers, and it resulted in a ton of re-edited Asian action movies with Westerners such as Richard Harrison and Stuart Smith cut into them for the purpose of selling internationally, and they did for a number of years. Perhaps part of the major package deal or deals that landed IFD several crucial classic and fun Taiwanese movies. The acquisition of King of Snake from 1984 made IFD tackle a monster movie for once because they bought a monster movie. So they created something they've never done before. That type of genre. They inserted Pierre Kirby to walk alongside the the King of Snake formula. And also alongside the snake Mosler, or is it Mosla? You can uh, watch the movie, listeners, and judge for yourself. The hunt for the big snake Mosler and Mosla, I should state. And that snake is uh, starting out small, and it's growing, and it grows into IFD's most distinctive mashups. But is it truly a worthwhile addition to their library? That's what we're here to tell you. Our opinions of it. We're not dictating your opinion. Also, Kickboxer from Hell. That's really all you need to know, I think. Kickboxing and a horror movie in one. So essentially IFD taking their kickboxing trend and uh, that choice of uh, kickboxing into a new direction. And uh, we'll tell you if we think that is a successful direction or not. And uh, my name is Kenny B and with me again is Neon Harbors at Glazer. And I ask you, you know, we have Ninja Mission Force Season 1 and 2. Where is Kickboxer the winner, the Mission Force at? The problem is I can't fit a boxing ring in my apartment. Why don't you green screen it, man? I mean, <laughs> well, you don't have a green screen either. Oh, that's true. I guess I could do that. It, it is it is the the two uh, thousands to two thousand ten. So, but but like you 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 can move through the trends as well. Maybe with uh, your your cut and paste line, like honoring ninjas as you have, honoring uh, maybe Catman for an episode, and honoring mm-hmm. the kickboxer kickboxers if there's creative fodder there of course but i will get a kick of something just that oddly named and long kickboxer the winner the mission force i could probably do something like that i've had a i've done a boxer in um a film and a web series using the same costume uh so i can just you know give it another give it another go since we mentioned all about neon harbor ninja mission force uh, what is this can we watch it anywhere that leads us into your plug set so what is neon harbor and what do, what do you do over there Sure. Uh, Neon Harbor is my uh, film and web series production company, and you can find that at neonharbor.com. We've done a few feature films, uh, some animation, a number of web series, including the comedy series Ninja the Mission Force, which spoofs the IFD and Filmark movies, the kind of stuff that we talk about here on the show. And you can find all that at neonharbor.com. You can also find uh, me on Twitter at twitter.com slash neon underscore harbor and on Facebook at facebook.com slash neon harbor. Did your love for Turkish cinema ever 
find its way into the Ninja, Ninja of the Mission Force in a subtle way or not? Or, 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 or is that like uh, separate fandoms that can't merge? We, we did it a little bit. Uh, there's an episode of Ninja of the Mission Force called A Space Ninja in Space. <laughs> and when Gordon flies out into space, there is a shot of him flying the spaceship that is intentionally copied from the infamous Turkish Star Wars. And, and, and Gordon, your character, has a big motorcycle helmet on him. Because that that's a space helmet in that type of uh, universe, but uh, you know, you know, I, I've said it before. I enjoy the series immensely, and you you kind of get me with silly gags like that, but also silly gags like having a shot of Paris and it says Shanghai underneath it. I love that kind of stuff. I love that too. That, that's very Monty Python style, uh, like uh, very. Uh, here's a sketch. It will begin now. So, sort of like silly captions on screen. Mm-hmm. I saw a Monty Python episode recently where where they say that each caption costs this and this and this. And five, six captions later, we're now up to four pounds, 26 pence. Mm-hmm. Not including this one. And <laughs> so it's one of those guys. Excellent, excellent. Well, neonharbor.com it is. And the plugs are, and the links rather, are available in the show post. But in the meantime, the rest of the plugs for the network. This is the Golden Ninja podcast on the Podcast on Fire Network. And this, uh, the website where you'll find this show and all our other shows is podcastonfire.com and we also do bonus episodes on there every now and again and we can see in the future if we can squeeze in a rational uh, logical way of doing a bonus episode exclusively for the website we'll have a little bit uh, of um, of a think about that but uh, regardless if you have any questions or feedback email us at podcastonfire at googlemail.com and thank you to anyone who has done so and enthusiastically so i mean um, i've not only received them on on emails but, but private messages and uh uh, private messages on on sites you wouldn't sort of expect um i'm not talking any lewd stuff here but um you know the fandom for this little show is very expressive like the few fans we have they're very expressive which says to me that these kind of movies are quite beloved and uh, to have a respectful platform pro- provider and produced for them is something that is appreciated and that is quite um inspiring for me and the fuel for me to hear so um, I'm, I'm not saying we're gonna blow up anytime soon but it's nice to hear that there, there is a, a passion for what is ultimately fun and silly celluloid you know so uh, that's uh, that's very appreciated uh, you can uh, con- contact us on uh, facebook uh, on the top of our main website there's some handy buttons to our facebook and to our twitter as well as to our itunes feed so rate and subscribe if you're an itunes user you can also leave a uh, user comment and you can also stream us on stitcher radio either through their website or their application available on the apple app store and google play and i write about these movies among other things over at sogoodreviews.com and do little uh, small and not so silly because uh, uh, I'm, I'm i'm not a funny guy uh, video reviews at sleazykvideo.com little uh, one and a half minutes some summaries of the written reviews so I try to offer up the written piece and the video piece for those who do not have the time to uh, wade through my written nonsense I think one of the advantages of the of your um, video reviews is that we can see the the kind of stuff that you're talking about and i really appreciate that yeah it's it's i'm not good at uh, describing madness to be really fair i mean i i can write a decent review but in a witty way describe madness in, in writing in particular i'm not good at so that's the visual aids the review uh, literally so uh, i'm glad you appreciate that because uh, it's a very lo-fi production it's nothing like uh, your productions uh, which are properly produced and all of that it's just me sitting like this 
and editing for a few minutes and boom video review i'm a producer now also as usual we used to uh, we like to plug the blog it's inactive now but it's for a good reason golden ninja warrior chronicles a blog maintained by jesus perez molina author and uh, authoritarian and expert on ift and film arc and the one we look up to and uh, check for solid rational info on these movies and not misinfo and uh, things like that i mean it goes beyond the misinfo about godfrey ho and what he did and what he didn't do jesus has a more deeper knowledge about these things and uh, it's a great great help to this show uh, we do our best to further his correct info and uh, therefore uh, you know s- solidify that there's proper info out there on ift and film rather than misinfo and uh, before we move on uh, we we have um, a little bio later on pierre kirby that ed has helped out with but i also want to plug uh, a uh, documentary a little youtube documentary my friend josh put together on the basic info and stuff about ift and their players and within that is a pierre kirby bio that he graciously lent uh, to us and uh, we we could have uh, we had free reign to sort of uh, edit it and uh, shorten it if we if we like if we liked. But uh, I just wanted to give him a shout out. So uh, the link to his documentary Weird Cinema is called is on YouTube. And uh, and uh, thank you very much, Josh, for your help. So that's that for now. We're gonna take a short musical break. So listen to some uh, probably stolen music, as I always say, from Thunder of Gigantic Serpent, IFD's Big Snake Movie. And you're not used to hearing that. It's always Ninja Dragon and Makoto Ninja Warrior. And then some Catman and some kickboxing, but in between, somewhere, they found a monster movie. And they found uh, a cut-and-paste formula to uh, to utilize in combination with that. And we're going to talk of Thunder of Gigantic Serpent after the break. And welcome back. And before we get on with it, uh, I wanted to give you listeners a bit of a rundown of what's to come. Because despite these movies being light and goofy, there is background information to be talked of sometimes, uh, mainly of actors. So this is a rundown of what's to come during this show. And these sections have running times noted in the show post in case you want to jump ahead to maybe the Gigantic Serpent review or the Kickboxer from Hell review. But regardless, what's coming up is uh, a biography on Pierre Kirby that Ed is here to uh, give to us and discuss uh, discuss some um, facets of uh, this quite uh, part mythical figure, uh, but um, this legendary figure in a way too, because he's quite a liked performer at IFD. So we'll talk of uh, that. And uh, after that, we discuss and review the movie that he stars in at hand here there will be a break and after that it's the kickboxer from hell portion of the podcast starting with a biography on lead actor mark houghton and then we conclude the episode by reviewing and discussing the movie so let's get on with it founder of gigantic serpent or gigantic serpent from 1988 and plot from my review of the film a scientist played by danny lee has developed a formula that will be able to grow organic material to hundreds of times its original size he walks away from the project as the military favors different uh, solutions uh, usage for it rather than fixing world hunger. The experiment on a frog is successful. They increase the size of it. 
But a group of terrorists are ordered to steal the formula by Solomon, and that is IFD's inclusion, played by actor Edwin Bursma or Bursmia. I even heard his uh, and he's uh, had another name on, on at least another print, and it was Frederick. Interesting. I, I believe it's officially Bursma. Bursma, not Bursmia, but uh, yeah. Um, so that, that's our uh, that's our energetic bad guy. Uh, so Solomon orders the, the attack on the lab, leaving many people dead. But the box the formula is in ends up in the hands of little girl Ting Ting, played by a little Taiwanese actress Su Hoi Lung, and her pet snake eventually gets to use it as its home. There it grows bigger and becomes a threat to the city, but all it wants to do is to rescue Ting Ting from the clutches of Solomon's men. Good thing IFD got Ted Fast, played by Pierre Kirby, available to strike back at Solomon and company. So there we are, cut and paste in original, merged into one new movie. So uh, let's throw over to Ed here, Pierre Kirby, for people who do not know who he is and who he was and what he did at IFD. So uh, the floor is yours. To be perfectly honest, not much is known about Pierre Kirby, despite many internet sleuths doing their best to find out as much information as possible. We still don't know exactly where Pierre Kirby came from, except the UK, uh, nor what ultimately happened to him after his short run with IFD. What we do know is that he burst onto the IFD scene around 1987, Edwin star in approximately 10 films until he vanished in 1989 or 1990. Unlike many IFD actors, he had some genuine on-screen charisma. He played heroes and villains, a rare feat as IFD would often typecast their actors. And when it came to martial arts, he was easily among the most comfortable on-screen fighters. It's said by many that he initially came to Hong Kong while delivering yachts for a living. He was apparently doing this while also working as an actor. And it's said that the last time anyone had heard from him was when he was leaving Hong Kong in order to deliver a yacht to the Philippines. Rumors of his death and whereabouts are plentiful. But as of 2015, nothing has yet been publicly confirmed. Some said that pirates attempted to hijack his boat, but Kirby fought back and died in the process. That's a great movie right there. Yeah, I know. And who would know that, by the way? Who would know that, by the way, if that happened? Like, if the pirates came forward, yeah. The pirates came back and were like, that guy was good. Yeah. (laughs) Some say that it was a typhoon that caused his demise, and this is obviously the more probable scenario. IFD authority Jesus Perez Molina has it from Kirby's sister and fellow serpent actor Edwin Bursma that Kirby perished in the typhoon. The only evidence to the contrary is from Bursma, who thought that he may have spotted Kirby once after the incident. Emphasizing May, which he probably did too, rather than go go on a big, like, creating a YouTube account and telling him all about the fact that he is real, he is real, he's still alive. So that's rather sad if it happened, but um, you could probably study... Uh, weather patterns from those years around that time and sort of like pinpoint yeah that's probable so i mean regardless of when you discovered him was this someone who stood out to you when you first saw him like like move over richard harrison and Stuart smith there's a new boy in town here i thought martial arts wise he's actually very good but um that was i think the biggest thing i mean i think he's got kind of a, a he's got sort of a fun personality but he didn't leap out at me it depends on which movie you watch. Though in some movies he's uh, he, he um, you know he's a bit of a wisecrack, and in some movies he's just a straight man. And uh, but but yeah, that aspect stands out because you're so used to other mentioned actors, uh, despite them having a good time or not having a good time at IFD, not 
being actionable like this and the, the Pierre Kirby really for for a non-actor actor who just sort of did this while in harbor essentially really seems uh, comfortable with it. and then it's a shame we don't we never saw that developed outside of 5D but, um, but there it is and uh, again to repeat by the way the source movie taking up the majority of the running time in Thunder of Gigantic Serpent is from Taiwan and it's called King of Snake Released in 1984 and labeled as a children's movie, which is fun with Taiwanese cinema. Their children's movies, whether they were fantasy oriented or in this case, uh, you know, a mix of some stock reality and some some sci-fi aspects, you couldn't sort of count upon that they would be free of violence. Uh, and this one is a, a prime contender. It has very children's friendly and cutesy elements. And then very stark scenes of people dying. But they could still sort of like, this is sort of for children. We'll market it a little bit that way. There's a fantasy movie called The Child of Peach, which is sort of the same. It's very cutesy, but it has some strangely violent scenes involving squibs and, you know, quite distinctive peril. But I think it's the charm, for better or worse, of Taiwanese children's fantasy. You don't know what you're going to get exactly. So. You know, tread lightly, parents, if you go into a Taiwanese children's movie. But anyway, its director, Xu Yu Long, has been re- represented at IFT in at least one other instance as his 1984 action drama, Who Knows About Me, was released in full at IFT, meaning no added westerners, as uh, another title, uh, and it was retitled as Final Mission Final. That's amazing. That's from the Department of Redundancy Department. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, you, you can expand that series too. You know, final mission, final, the ultimate mission. And and then sort of just <laughs> go home from that. Final mission, final free. You know, you know, IFD extended their series, so to say, American Commando 4 and uh, Official Exterminator, this and this. But it didn't happen with final mission, final. But there it is. Solid little movie, though. Uh, I haven't seen it in English from IFT. I've I've only seen the original subtitled version. But before we go on, this is a monster movie. It uh, Therefore, this question sort of fits uh, this discussion. Uh, Because without Japan, you know, dominating that movie genre for so many decades, this King of Snake does not exist. So, in general, are you a fan of this genre, whether involving Godzilla or not? And uh, are you one of those movie fans that like to explore outside of japan when it comes to you know the monster movie uh monster movie genre because you have thailand as a, a a little source of inspiration in that regard too yes absolutely i'm a huge godzilla fan i'm a huge kaiju fan and so i have all the godzilla movies and uh the yangri movies from korea and king kong movies from around the world um yes absolutely 100 percent there, is there is it therefore more joyous to find the stuff outside of Japan with not as much technical skill, or um, because it's uh, or, or do you sort of rate them all highly, highly regardless where they're from? Uh, it's, it it totally depends, and it's it's great to find lower budget giant monster movies because you want to know how they do it. Uh, what is it? What what tricks do they use? Where are they successful? And where do they have to really cut corners? Have you ever spotted there for um, the Taiwanese monster movie The Big Calamity with uh, General Guan Yu versus m- Space Martians? 
No, I have not. Have you never seen? Oh my god! I have not seen that one. It's an amazing 1977 Taiwanese monster movie where General Guan Yu is this uh, god that uh, they uh, you have his shrine at uh, both police stations and even uh, triads uses uh, uh, worships the god and it's this red faced, uh, uh, red faced sort of uh, ancient general with a big. Uh, a uh, big sort of, sort of spear with a knife at the end of it. It's his iconic weapons. And in the movie, uh, Martians invade Earth and uh, a little a statue maker uh, prays to the god to help them. And uh, Guan Yu comes to life in big form and saves the day and fights Martians on uh, these uh, miniature sets. And the reason this is awesome is not only the concept, but also because they had Japanese special effects talent on it. And it looks great. It really looks up to a standard you recognize and it probably would have been fun if it had not been but it's actually one of those like concepts that looks great on paper and is also so much fun in reality so um, it's it's not officially available anymore but you can find a partially widescreen subtitle version easily out there Ed. so if you are, I, I was almost a little surprised that you had not run into this it's it's also known as war god in certain territories but uh calamity or the big calamity is uh is uh, closer to its original title and it's awesome i'm sold i will hunt that one down hey i know i'll call you Mosler. do you like that while you think of that, let's uh, refocus and talk off properly and review founder of Gigantic Serpent. So I'll leave it to you to give us your short opinion for now. What did you think of this one? This is one of those rare IFD movies where the source movie is more spectacular than the new footage. It's a Taiwanese kaiju film and no amount of Pierre Kirby shooting, diving and rolling is going to upstage a giant snake attacking a, a skyscraper. The special effects are pretty good overall particularly for an industry that didn't normally go in for that kind of thing yeah it was uh, sporadic at taiwan they tried uh, and they knew sort of special effects within fantasy martial arts movies you know the, the laser beams and wire uh, you know wire effects and stuff like mm-hmm. that but uh, you, this type of special effects spectacle was more sporadic they tried the calamity being an example but there might have been a five six year gap before they tried it again it was not their bread and bread and butter um this one so you're, you're very right it's uh it's glorious when it happens though because they're able they're very, very much able i agree it's pretty fun we get a good view of the original's strengths and weaknesses it has some weaknesses not a lot but uh incl- there's a problem within the original that it sticks to monster action and gunplay for extended periods sometimes when you should have left it alone for a little bit and uh, mix up the content but uh so, so so it's it's sort of weak and great but but i actually dig its combination with the ifd footage mainly because i'm quite weak for the pierre kirby role and his uh, tucking roles here if you will because my god he plays a character called ted fast ted fast isn't that marvelous i mean i'm in i mean five out of five <laughs> you know i don't need to see the movie he's ted fast ladies and gents. not only does he play ted fast but he always works alone and that must mean he's pretty good then <laughs> he's so fast no one can keep up with him he's that fast boss they sent a special agent to deal with us who the hell is the guy his name is ted fast Therefore, I gotta mention, it's a standard IFD opening in a way, because we got the Hong Kong skyline, you know, the stock shots of the Hong Kong skyline. Cut to, we won't be specific throughout each and every scene, but I like it, cuts to this 
very moody rain and thunderstorm scenes and snake pouring down this uh, this uh, cliffside and uh, the soundtrack is literally just just screaming at us wherever it's from it's sounds like there's human screams on there so it's a sort of moody setup and then you know goofy acting time from IFD and uh, we haven't mentioned the director it's not Godfrey Ho people he's not even uh, listed as producer and writer so by this point I think he had nearly left or left altogether but we got Charles Lee here uh, not Alton Chung or Philip Coe but Charles Lee who's an actual guy I have some notes on here but uh, you know in general how are Charles Lee's touches looking at the opening scene along with Solomon having his glorious uh, Oscar winning monologue well, the, the snake footage is from King of Snake. There are times where I just I can't I can't tell the direction apart um, because a lot of the IFD stuff just kind of looks the same. But uh, some of the acting is amazing, and Edwin Burzma chewing the scenery as Solomon is really spectacular because he's going to control the world's food supply and take over the world. Ha 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 ha! Once I get the formula, I will be in control of the world's food production. Think of the power I will have. Ha! Every nation on earth will bow to my will. That plot, by the way, of taking over, you know, controlling the world's food supply, it's no better or worse than, you know, friggin' Sean Connery in The Avengers. So, I mean, it's uh, it as good it's as good as anything you've seen in a big movie here. You know, what was it he did in that Avengers of controlling the weather? The weather, it? Yes. Yeah, so it, it's suitably goofy. I mean, it, it to me, it's got the, albeit standardized, but still the fun sort of fairly well-driven Godfrey Ho touch. I mean, some IFD movies post Godfrey Ho, you could tell that they were sort of devoid of energy. The, Charles Lee or Lee Chu, you know, he's a director. He has, has done direct movies since uh, before and since, and he's solid in that regard. So I think adhering to that formula was no biggie for uh, for Lee Chu or uh, Charles Lee so um, 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 it, it's not inspiring it's their action footage some scripts some slow motion but at least it's not like just draining the, the movie of, of energy as we've seen in certain IFD movies when Godfrey Ho was not involved where it's just very standardized uh, it, it might be a subtle difference but it's a different nonetheless when it's not as fun and you're longing for the source movie. You know, if you're longing for the source movie, then there's a problem with the IFD scenes here. They all kind of coexist quite well. The snake is, intel- is intelligent. It sure is. Even before anything happens to it. Yeah. <laughs> Any take on that? Because I- I'd forgotten about that. Wait a minute. He hasn't been like uh, pew 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 like uh, with a radioactive energy or however they uh, grow him. I think it tells you all you need to know at the very beginning where the kid is trying to name the snake and she asks if he likes the name and he nods his head and you're like, all right, so it's this kind of movie, huh? And uh, does it make sense? No, of course it makes no sense. But it at least sets up that these characters have a connection and when the snake does stuff to save the kid later on, we we understand that it's the same level of intelligence and affection that it's shown since the beginning of the film. D- judging by your explanation now, it seems like King of Snake, which we see the majority of, uh, it, you know, maintains a certain momentum where things like that you never bat an eyelid at. It's sort of like it is. That's it. It's 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 celluloid. You know, it's 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 fiction. You know, can do whatever you want if you make it good after establishing a thing like that. So. Um, 
I mean, I don't think anyone's going to watch and, and, and think, oh, yes, of course, one of those intelligent snakes that understands English or Chinese. But you have to make the conscious choice to go along with it. And when you do, then you're good. And, and I think, in all honesty, and this is not something I have in my notes, something I just thought of now, maybe, and I preface that with maybe, it's the original production's train of thought that we need to appeal to children. We don't need to be scientific about these things. A girl and a snake are friends. Yes. And, and and they go down, you know, grassy hills on little on little skis every now and again as leisure time fun. <laughs> That's what we do, and uh, and the snake helps her in that sport or that little contest that they have with the with the friends every now and again. So. So, so, so obviously that's charming in in a way, and uh, and I, and I can't say this is uh, something I've seen before either in Taiwanese cinema. So it's not uh, riding on any sort of wave that another movie set up or anything. So I think it plays on like it has a certain strength that that is its own. Um, the problems I have is when you you sort of get you know a long stretch of a lot of monster action. And then long stretches of gunplay, maybe mainly the gunplay. Like the original movie sort of just overextends its sort of two prime elements at points. Like I got a little bit bored when there's all shooting going on and I wanted more of Mosler or Mosler mm-hmm. and, and vice versa. But that, that is actually a little bit of nitpicking. But I noticed that I was sort of shuffling about in my seat a little bit. Okay, cut back to, you know, some lighter stuff or cut to some darker stuff to sort of ground the movie. But uh, hey, it's a. Uh, it, it's uh, it might be me nitpicking. I certainly didn't tune out. Useless son of a bitch. What happened, boss? He screwed up. Brilliant deduction, Sherlock. He lost the fucking formula. Now no one knows where it is. By the way, it's a regular sort of stock plot. You know, the military wants to use the formula, but there's terrorists who want it as well. So therefore, inserting IFD into it is not that far-fetched because they. No, that works really well. Yeah, I mean, they're not. There's not a whole lot of a. Uh, footage there, and I always ask this question, but I think it's suitable for the series. Is the illusion that it's all one strong or weak, in your opinion? It's stronger than many because it makes sense. That's very fair, and the the few scenes that they insert themselves into are actually unusually well well done. They match the backgrounds much better than they usually do. I mean, it doesn't sound hard to match a grey gray white vanilla wall in the original uh, and in the ifd offices <laughs> you know but sometimes it was just the contrast between the colors of the background in the ifd footage versus the old was so striking that it was mm-hmm. you you did get you, you did tune out you know but uh i think because 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 pia Kirby has a scene with the military leader and i sort of thought that that was that was totally intact that illusion that pia Kirby is having that conversation um, even though they're not in the same shot it's helped enormously by Pierre Kirby's uniform, which is identical to the military uniforms of the characters in the original film. And even that wasn't uh, something you could rely on them getting right sometimes. No, if they... no, no, not at all. So, so there, there is some effort here, maybe inspired by the energy in the original one, but um, they're, they're very good points. I love, by the way, Solomon's right-hand man. Kind of a sarcastic prick. You know, <laughs> he stands up to Solomon like... Uh, uh, at one point he says, I mean, I will, I will insert this uh, quote from the movie, but sometimes he said, you know, we lost the formula or something. And uh, Sh- Solomon said, brilliant deduction, Sherlock. You, you know, that uh, other guy is just, he, he knows that, uh, you know, he's my boss, but I can sort of, you know, 
tease him a little bit about uh, about that. But uh, you know, Edwin Bursma is, to say the least, engaged, and he's got good energy. Or what do you think uh, his, of his sparse scenes that we get here? Oh, I mean, energy is uh, is a great word for it. Uh, scenery chewing is perhaps uh, better, but he's a lot of fun regardless, and that's kind of what I look for in a movie like this. Yeah, I mean, he, he uh, adheres to the Godfrey Ho school of acting. I can't see you acting. More acting. Act more. This formula means infinite power. I must have it. Now, I, want, I have issue, I take issue with the, the MacGuffin of this film, which is the formula for the magical uh, growing stuff, because uh, formula is the wrong word, but they keep using it. What they are actually looking for is the chamber in which uh, they put their animals or whatever to grow the thing. And at some point, they, they find the chamber without the guts inside. And then what they're really looking for is the, the mechanism or the electronic gizmo. Uh, it is not a formula in the, in the sense that any human being would actually think of the word formula. Yeah, I wonder sometimes if they... I, I don't remember because I haven't seen it for a long while, the subtitled version of King of Snake. I wonder if they sort of relied on what was maybe wrongly translated in English as they adapted the the, the script to English because maybe in the original subtitles it, it says formula a lot too. N- not saying it, it's an excuse, but it, it's a possibility. But uh, but you're very right. It's, uh, it is a big part of the movie too, so it's uh, something that's noticeable, if, if anything. What is you know, let's switch back to King of Snake for a little bit. The, the snake, when it grows, is obviously not a fake effect. It's a big puppet. So all things considered, this being Taiwan, do you think it's well operated, all things considered, that uh, puppet? Yeah, I mean, I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm a mark. I'm kind of an easy target for that kind of stuff. It certainly has its moment to shine. Uh, or the the various incarnations of the puppet have their moments to shine. It doesn't work especially well in broad daylight. You know, it's also a silly snake that plays catch with a kid. So, uh, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, physical is a key here, right? I mean, it's there. And I personally, and I might be totally destroyed by bad cinema throughout the years, but I buy this a whole lot more rather than the greatest technical CG achievement that 2016 can bring us. Because... Mosler is there with Tintin. That's the illusion sort of intact for me in a very light film. Uh, you know, at least in these uh, initial stages where they're playing together. And, and it, it sort of is a puppet that requires maybe two or three operators to sort of get right because uh, it can't look too limp. And it doesn't. I mean, the eye... Okay, a snake's eye might not look very alive as such, but the eyes sort of look uh, look a bit dead. Uh, but, uh, you know, otherwise the wire work is uh, very strong because you d- you don't see the wires uh, either. So uh, it's that kind of movie too. So I, I buy it easily and uh, and move on and uh, enjoy seeing them develop their friendship. You know, because it, it is kind of cute that they play with each other So and all of that. And look at have you seen the 60s Gamera movies? Those costumes are terrible. But who cares? Like, the, the movies are a lot of fun, so whatever. Except that... 80s Gamera movie where you remember that that cut and paste one where yeah. what happened what happened here do you have anything else on him or his group not at all oh well I'll see what I can come up with because the movie switches back every now and again to um, to Kirby let's uh, talk a little bit about Kirby he's a willing uh, action participant uh, here as well in the bio Ed suggested that and uh, it's sort of confirmed here it's a good 
movie to sort of show that yeah, this is sort of his uh, time to shine action-wise uh, too. You know, there's a movie or two where it's also good, but he he had some presence and he felt very physical and had. It looks like he had good timing and fast and swift kicking as well. I mean, it's not classic Samo Hong Jackie Chan action, but uh, Ridley Choi's action here is uh, perfectly suitable, and uh, it's such a relief, Ed. Maybe relief is a bad word, but a nice change of pace that there isn't a switch to the masked stuntman and then the close-up of our leading man for once. The IFD leading man is bringing you know it all, and uh, you know both acting and doing the action. And it might not sound like a big thing, listeners, but for us IFD lovers, it's it's a nice thing to see a, a like a full IFD leading man, if you know what I mean. You know the IFD footage sometimes felt so calculated, even in the ninja movies. You know, a minute or two of ticking off the death list, as we always talk of, and uh, a short fight scene, and then Richard taking his mask off and walking off frame than 20 minutes of time movie or whatever and it could be argued that there is calculated you know celluloid here but for me there's a difference and you might have a um, either confirm it or have a different different view but there there's a difference here it doesn't feel as calculated because i enjoy the goofy acting and i enjoy the bursts of slow motion gunplay and squibs and then cut back to the taiwanese movie it's it's sort of like a nice break in between that um that that i simply enjoy it has enough energy where it doesn't feel like oh here we go i know exactly what's going to happen here and can we please move on from that there's nothing of that here i think it's uh, all good fun actually the uh, ift footage and think of this ed before before you maybe answer this this could be argued to be part of that modern action line that ift had with all those american commando movies and things like that and most of those I did not particularly enjoy because they felt sort of slower and more calculated and lacking in energy. So think of those versus this modern action from IFT, and you might see a bit of a difference there. I think it was nice that Pierre Kirby was able to do the the gunplay stuff and running and jumping and then also do the martial arts hand-to-hand combat stuff, which gave the action scenes a little bit of variety. Both of those things are separate from the giant snake stuff so that i thought was effective ridley as um you know he turned out to be a director eventually and, and also and also actor is um sh- shown some chops as action director here before he got his bigger bigger movie so uh, you know there, there, there's ted fast shooting a gun upside down uh, and you know in slow motion and you got the scripts going off in slow motion so you got you got the john woo influence there but it's good good fun because he's there doing it it's not this chinese stuntman trying to pull off uh, a pierre kirby doubling act or or edwin bursma doubling act and and all of that so it's all all good and they're serviceable and we got therefore serviceable when it cuts back you got further serviceable puppetry as the snake grows bigger and you know in short i think the bigger effects work for the, the latter reels where the big destruction and uh, more of the deaths occur as uh, Mosler uh, derails uh, trains and buildings get smashed. That's where the movie really gets to show its colors and might have failed. But I think, for, if I keep it short now, it feels... It's okay. I mean, I, I've seen worse 
mixture of miniatures and match shots combined and or composite shots and all of that so you know when it gets bigger when when Moslo reaches the city you know can it compete this movie with uh, with Japan or, or Thailand's uh, special effects do you think get away from that monster Gamera, sure. Uh, Godzilla, probably not. You know, again, it's it's all about does it does it work? Does it work within the film? And yeah, it works within the film. He's not there to um, destroy the city, but to save Ting Ting. You know, the, 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 you know, there's friendship on the line here rather than uh, coming there to destroy the city. I've I've not seen in many of these movies though the, the, the Japanese movies except for the earlier darker ones. And maybe the the eighties reboot, uh, the Godzilla eighty four reboot, you you don't see necessarily uh, as much death as you see here. You know, with the train derailing, there's a building that collapses or a disco that collapses. Um, mm-hmm. They sort of stayed away from that as the movies got a bit more goofier. But this one, yeah, you know, I said stark reality before, and I think uh, this one that's the example of stock reality in in this movie and if it's if it fits truly i'm not too sure but on an individual basis i'm glad that the filmmakers acknowledge at least that there's destruction and death in the wake of uh, in the wake of all of this i should say the, the effects are inconsistent so there is some very good model work combined with some not very good model work and uh possibly some stock footage shots and things like that i don't have any basis for that but it's a possibility I think the overall, the cumulative effect is that it is all serviceable. I agree, I agree. I mean, as Mosler comes into the city in the water, you know, obviously they have a, a little bit of a tank to shoot in and when he emerges and people are running around, running along the bridges and stuff. I mean, a combination of shots in that scene where he emerges from the water, it looks okay. I mean, they combine, they combine it technically. And, uh, but, but you're right, you know, it, it sort of comes and goes, but overall is serviceable and gets the idea across to, you know, size intent of the drama and also uh, you know wrapping around the building looks i mean maybe that's some of the weaker stuff when the snake is uh, wrapping around the things maybe it looks a little bit more like a stiff puppet there but uh, yeah i liked it i thought it worked yeah yeah overall and the 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 effects of uh, you know tanks and planes uh, shooting up mosler and all of that i like that one of the earlier uh, waves of defense it looks like it's obviously not a crop duster plane but it's akin to that plane style and design that starts the, the biplane yeah 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 exactly yeah. so they don't even bring out uh, jet fighters initially they bring out someone's uh someone's crop duster <laughs> but uh which is armed you know it is armed with uh, weaponry and all of that but uh it's it's not aged Subaraya standards, you know, the master from Japan, but uh, all solid stuff. You know, Taiwanese flexing their special effects muscle decently. I mean, uh, I would have liked to see more. And um, the the big calamity, as I mentioned, it's not miles ahead of this one, but it is better. It's actually quite a lot better, and uh, and and it's also a bit of a goofy slash serious movie at the same time. It's a bit children's friendly, a bit not. Too. So even in the 70s, they, they provided these multi-mood experiences for kids, if you will. Waiting for the boss? Uh, I'm waiting for the boss, too. Fuck off. Who the hell are you? Fast. Ted Fast. I don't have any other notes other than two sort of IFD notes. Uh, one of the... Uh, it's a silly thing, but uh, 
they don't inject a lot of humor with Pierre Kirby. Some movies do. So, so I sort of wished, wished that they would have had some fun, more fun with the name Ted Fast, because in one scene, Ted is talking to uh, you know the glass-eyed uh, general, and uh, I think he, uh, it's not one of their one-on-one scenes, but the one that where they're on the phone, and he informs uh, uh, Ted Fast that uh, the snake is coming, and. Uh, what is it, uh, man? Who says what here? But regardless, I think he oh, says I, I the Ted fast. Yeah, yeah, better call him fast. And I was waiting for like, say it, say it, say it. Pierre Kirby calls the general and he says, it's Ted fast. The monster's coming your way. You better get your army out fast. Ted fast. <laughs> you know, click, click. <laughs> like he said it again. <laughs> like he can't let it go. That, that, that was just wishful thinking. But I just thought, like, it's there, it's there. Pick up the ball, pick up the ball, IFD. You almost got it. God damn it. You missed it. In the redo version, that's what I'm going to do. Yes. And, and my final note, I suppose, and then, then you can do whatever notes you want from either beginning, end, or middle of the movie. Uh, but um, the final confrontation, because there will be one between Ted Fast and Solomon, all too short. I would have liked to see a minute or two more than what we get here. I know they do short endings at IFD. I wish there was a little bit more gunplay and uh, chasing chasing each other and uh, acrobatic and stuff like that, but uh, it ends pretty damn quickly and then it's over. Who the hell are you? Ted Fast? The one and only. Uh, and it's weak on top of the shortness, on top of the brevity. Ted Fast goes up to Solomon's car. Solomon is, is in his car and he's like, hey, it's me. You're under arrest. And then he gets out of the car and then they kind of shoot at each other for a little bit lame yeah maybe more realistic but certainly not cinematic so <laughs> there it is but uh, i so wished we had more adventures with ted fast it would have been a great little pierre kirby through line and maybe we would have got one had he lived but uh there it is we can always cherish what we have here any anything else you want to say about the founder of gigantic serpent my friend well my only real problem with the film is the king of snake ending because uh, despite the King Kong style downer, which is maybe inevitable, it just goes on forever. There, there's about 10 straight minutes of the giant snake's death and the little girl crying over her pet. And they just want to wring every drop of pathos out of the thing. And it's just endless. Melodrama was their thing, Hong Kong and Taiwan. But I agree. It, it makes it, I guess it goes in line with what I was saying that some elements just go on when they should have cut to other elements instead because they have great elements here. Children's friendly stuff, darker stuff, special effects, but they, they sort of just let them play for too long, too extended stretches, including uh, descending because there's a lot of like, Mosler, 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 no, mm-hmm. no, Mosler. I mean, yeah, she's upset. We get it. We also know his name by this point. <laughs> Again, below 90 minutes as per usual, IP, and, uh, and uh, a, a nice oddity. At IFD, the, the, the nice, the combination with this genre was something you, I don't, I don't think they ever did, uh, found another movie like this and combined, uh, combined with, uh, not, not anyone I've seen anyway. So that, that, that makes it quite, uh, the distinctive mashup, if you will, in IFD's catalog. And it comes recommended, uh, if I were to personally recommend people going, okay, you've seen ninjas, you, you want to see Pierre Kirby? Well, here's one or two movies. Take this one first. It's a it's an apt recommendation of it. I don't think I've seen you know, oh I've seen one of Kirby's ninja movies because he did one as well where he's in the purple ninja suit, which only Pierre Kirby can 
Cell. Uh, zombie versus Ninja is one I've I seen. I think that's Zombie versus Ninja. Yeah. And his scenes are great. Uh, or at least the martial arts scenes, but he's he's got that, you know, wisecrack uh, sort of mentality or attitude, rather, in those movies too, which I enjoy. I mean, there's might, might be only one or two lines of that stuff, but it's sort of like, hey, I've been having fun rather than like just squaring off Richard Harrison style. Then that's particularly amusing because Zombie vs. Ninja is a period piece. It's set in ancient China, Japan, something like that. I don't know if the other persons that Kirby uh, bumps into, if they are way too modern for the movie. But uh, but yeah, uh, Ninja, ancient piece, well, sort of works. Purple Ninja, I guess. You know, it's the only one we have. Well, we colored it in the when we did the washing yesterday, so there it is. Have a purple ninja suit. But it works. It works. It's classic Kirby. Go on, shoot. Make my date, bunk. Looks like a stalemate. As for availability, then, this is circulating uh, unofficially currently, uh, mainly in full screen. And uh, I'm pretty sure that this was shot in the 1.85 format uh, originally because at that time Taiwan would have sort of they would have ditched the 235 format a little bit more and it doesn't feel very cramped either there's there's no noticeable cropping either as such so this Greek subtitled full screen version you know represents the movie at least uh, quite well in terms of the the formatting yeah and uh, there's not been a lot of official releases Uh, they Maybe one here and there in English, but that's the only one I know of, the Greek one. And uh, it also had a, a local Taiwanese one, uh, the original movie, so subtitled. And also Japan uh, released the original movie on VHS uh, in widescreen, but no English subtitles and, and only in Mandarin language. Uh, this might not even have gotten a English dub at the time, but uh, if it did, then it's certainly not in circulation. So uh, that that's what you kind of need to... Uh, seek out now you know bootlegs of it or uh, torrents of it because there's no official dvd of serpent at one point there was going to be a swedish dvd but that never happened uh, the same company who did that the killer elephants movie was going to do serpent as well but uh, it was a one-man company that uh, produced the killer elephants uh, movie so uh, surely it's a, it was a matter of cost of, of doing it uh, it probably wouldn't have meant widescreen because i i've the I don't, don't think they store widescreen, and if they do, that's a big cost. Uh, My recollection was that it was going to be widescreen. Really? Good, good if I have to do, uh, save that source. I've always gotten the impression that they, they are sitting mainly on cropped sources, and uh, even back in the day, it seems like there was a greater chance for Filmark movies to appear in widescreen in areas such as Japan, because IFT simply didn't store a lot of things in, in wide or, or send a lot of things in wide. So um, that's where we're at right now. So, uh, but, but do seek it out. It's not that hard to find a, a watchable version of it. We're done with the serpent, and uh, then we switch to Kickboxer from Hell. You know, it's uh, horror time at IFT, literally. You know, you can combine kickboxers with kickboxers you can combine kickboxers with robots we haven't we haven't uh, a robot kickboxer movie that we haven't looked at yet and we can combine kickboxers with satanists as is evident in this movie so viva ifd there's an idea around every corner you, you have a core element like a ninja or a kickboxer then the stage is set for whatever it seems like and uh, bless them for it or maybe not as we review <laughs> review Kickboxer from Hell, it might be might be a curse on the on the celluloid landscape. But uh, we'll talk of Kickboxer from Hell from 1992 after the break. 
Welcome back in the second review of this episode 11 of our show is Kickboxer from Hell from 1992 and plot from my review of the film after escaping from a Satan-worshipping cult whilst on an undercover mission. A nun takes refuge with Kickboxer Sean, played by Mark Houghton, who eventually has to help her out as his brother is killed by the disciples. The nun worked with Eileen, played by Nora Miao, during their mission, but she broke free to get married to Robert. Cue the original movie and strange sounds in the night for the newlyweds, as well as strange appearances of a woman in their house. There it is, Scary Derry. We'll get to it in a short bit, uh, just want to talk a little bit about who Mark Houghton is, who has uh, quite a familiar face to Hong Kong cinema fans. Uh, so uh, our IFT lead graced um, this and a select few productions of theirs, such as Advent Commando 6 Naked Revenge. Why I haven't seen that, I don't know. But I'm gonna know, because it's Advent Commando 6 Ed. Like, never mind, the, never mind the Naked Revenge. It's Advent oh, Commando, they're up to all six about now. about the Naked Revenge. <laughs> I pretty much know for a fact that it's probably the American Commando movies uh, retitled. You know, I don't know if they're renumbered, but uh, it, that's what IFD did. They sort of switched it, probably made a new poster, tried to sell that again, so... There it is, but that's one of the movies he was in. Mark Houghton was born in 1962 in the United Kingdom. Was and is an avid and devoted martial artist, uh, starting at the age of 14, and lived in Malaysia for uh, for a while in his early teens. And it was the site of martial arts in one of Master Lau Garlung's films. And uh, Lau Garlung is, among other things, he's done tons of movies, the director of the 36th Chamber of Shaolin. And seeing some of his action on screen made him switch to and focus on that style, Hunga, that uh, the Lao family teaches. And it's probably evident in the movies as well. That would eventually be his life's uh, work. Uh, Mark, he opened a school back in the UK, but he went back to Hong Kong at the age of 27 to train under his hero, Lao Galong. The meeting involved demonstrating for the late great master, and uh, he landed a small role in Aces Go Places 5, which Lao was directing at the time. The, the, that series is also called uh, Mad Mission internationally, so you might have seen uh, uh, an episode or two out of that uh, sort of James Bond action comedy style Hong Kong series. Very good, actually. Very, uh, It's a very important and successful comedy series from Hong Kong, Mad Mission. Even had, um, in the third movie, they started to bring in international talent because Peter Graves and, God, what was the actor's name who played Jaws, Jaws in James Bond, uh, Richard Keel. Uh, yeah. uh, appeared in uh, the third Aces Go place as Our Man from Bond Street. No kidding. Yeah, very fun wow. movies. Very fun movies. A great stunt work for Hong Kong cinema at the time. Very very playful uh, and uh, very James Bond at the same time. So check check that out. But the fifth movie actually sucked ass. That by that point the series was running on empty. But um, nevertheless, Mark Houghton appeared in uh, that one. Uh, he, uh, Lao Galung, uh, he didn't actually have a school as such, so he trained privately on movie sets and uh, privately in general, but it was elite training nonetheless and uh, hard training. And Mark slipped into acting more or less as, uh, you know, as an accident, because the priority one was still kung fu training, but some of his credits include classics such as The Outlaw Brothers, Skinny Tiger, Fatty Dragon with Sam Hong, City Cops, I think Cynthia Rothrock is in that one, and Angel Enforcers, and was even part of acclaimed dramatic action fairs such as Teddy Chan's In the Heat of Summer. Mark Houghton is now retired from movies. He's uh, teaching Kung Fu full-time uh, after having uh, the blessing to further the teachings of Lao family Hunga, which is quite an honor because it's a blessing 
period, but as a Westerner, to come in and get uh, that respect and blessing from the Chinese family is something quite great. So big, big, you know, big credit for Mark for being very devoted. And that that blessing took and took place near the end of Lao Galung's uh, life. So uh, that that was the trigger to start you know, further teachings and uh, to be even more devoted. And uh, uh, he has helped to establish Kung Fu schools in Hong Kong, China, Singapore, UK, France, etc. Uh, subsequently. So uh, that's that. I remember a story Mark told in an interview in the 90s, uh, working with uh, Sammo Hong on Skinny Tiger, Fatty Dragon and Sammo, as you might know, Ed. His action is very powerful because it is. It's often full contact and it's uh, it's painful and uh you know you're going to look good when fighting with Samo, but it's going to hurt too. As I remember, Mark was told by Samo, I'm going to hit you in the face. <sighs> uh, but, awesome. And, and I think sort of playful, he reverted back, not in a disrespectful way. Okay, as long as I can hit you back. And Samo was game because it looks better. That way it looks... It's not like snuff Mondo material, this, but it just looks uh, powerful. You know, that's how you achieve powerful, according to Samo. So... It's uh, it's good good fun. Uh, some notes on the other names for this movie, because the on-screen title for this one is Zodiac America Free Kickboxer from Hell, but it's also known as Zodiac Power Free. And the other ones in the series, because they aren't connected. Uh, it's not a big, great big Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson-style story here or anything. It's just uh, separate movies uh, with with numbers. Just for sort of to create market curiosity, maybe. But uh, it's uh, the series starts anyway with Zodiac America 1 Zombie vs. Ninja, that we discussed a little bit uh, in a few minutes ago, followed by Evil Destroyer. And that poster suggests a hopping vampire element in an IFD film. That was, we thought, Thomas Tang's thing, Robo Vampire, etc. But we, we finally get at least one. IFD hopping vampire movie, judging by the poster. I really hope it's actually in the movie, otherwise that would be that would be kind of crappy to, to not actually get get it. So there it is. I mean, they're on the entire poster, like they're, they're all lined up uh, below uh, at the bottom of the poster. And, and the third entry is our kickboxer from from Hell here. And we also mentioned uh, that it's a horror movie, and uh, it's a Hong Kong horror movie, and that is a rare thing. Rare because IFD rarely sourced a Hong Kong movie from... They were in Hong Kong, they were working in Hong Kong, but they were sourcing Thai and Taiwanese action movies uh, and various genre movies normally. But this is a case where we get a Hong Kong movie. It's called The Obsessed, made in 1975 and starring Nora Miao, who was Bruce Lee's uh, girlfriend in Fist of Fury. But uh, she was a, a player for Golden Harvest at the time. It's not a Golden Harvest movie, it's uh, very unseen, but... The label Ocean Shores might have had it in their catalogue as they are listed as distributor on Hong Kong Movie Database. But it's quite an untalked of film today and probably very unseen except for the portions that are still left here. Uh, We we get the majority of the movies to be obsessed and then we get the regular 10-15 minutes of of IFT footage. And that leads us to the review. And uh, I would like to hear your quick opinion. Uh, is it uh, is it glorious IFT footage or crappy IFT footage? <laughs> uh, the IFT footage is amazing. Uh, my only problem is that there's not enough. It's mostly just kind of there at the beginning and end. They didn't go Ninja Operation Night and Warrior on us for Kickboxer from Hell. But does that mean that the obsessed footage is uh, unbearable? Or is it a serviceable horror movie? J- j- judging by the snippets that are here, that is. 
Yeah, I mean, it's perfectly watchable, which is more than I can say for some of the melodramas that make it into IFD films. There are shades of old thrillers like Rebecca and The Screaming Skull. And for a while, it leaves you wondering whether the mysterious female ghost, which is Robert's first wife, is real or not. Once we know, however, the middle section gets to be kind of a dull drum solo with self-contained vignettes that refuse to advance the plot until we learn the truth of the first wife's murder. Yeah, maybe it's good that it's not that we don't get the full extent of it here. So because uh, obviously it's short and uh, um, after IFD re-edited it and inserted themselves into it. But yeah, I agree. I'm weak for it because of the contrasting genres put on display here. But IFD's footage is fun. It's quotable. And uh, it may not be like uh, stylistically inspiring or anything, but it, it's good, goofy fun. And the original movie is, uh, I would use, serviceable as well. And professional to a degree without being a hidden horror gem from Hong Kong. It's not. But it's certainly not uh, embarrassing, judging by what we get here. Get lost, asshole. Be clever and don't fuck with us. I'm not going to leave this lady behind with you. You get lost, asshole! Is that clear? You might have done this notes. I'm just gonna sort of... We can just chuckle at this maybe for a few seconds. Satanists look like they're playing cowboys and Indians in the woods. You are being very generous because... <laughs> How would you wearing, summarize it? <laughs> they are wearing potato sacks. <laughs> uh, they, are, they are no joke. They are burlap sacks and you can actually see that the printing is still on them. <laughs> really? I thought they sort of looked like, yeah, maybe that's sort of something they bought in the store, but they, they, they it's DIY, man. That's right. De- devil it yourself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, the, the, does that signal bad, a bad movie coming, uh, coming at us, or that, does that signal glorious movie coming at us, you think? Yeah, I think glorious, and you combine that with their... Uh their war paint on their faces just kind of stripes that could mean that they're satanists or it could mean that they're packers fans yep it's certainly not they're they're not very like except for lucifer himself or lucifer's in another human body i don't know how that stuff works but he's the only one looking like yeah you know he's got got a white face paint and all of that but these guys are just sort of dudes playing well not even cowboys and indians mainly playing indians because they're, because Sean doesn't wear a cowboy hat as he as he chases them. So. No, it's it's Lucifer who steals the show. Uh, his makeup, uh, I would swear, is based on the Crow. If the Crow hadn't come out two years later, yeah, that was yeah. Because it's not like any heavy metal icon that they're trying to replicate or anything like that, or even Kiss. It's sort of just like yeah, it's it's a little bit also like Jack Nicholson's The Joker. They want to sacrifice me to Lucifer. Oh, that's terrible. Hmm? Wasn't Crow um, a comic book before? It's it's too much of a stretch to think that they read a comic book. And it's way too much of a stretch. There's no way. Um, Mark Houghton, as I said, he's used to acting, um, albeit bit acting, and he is a martial artist. And that again is, albeit infrequent, uh, is an infrequent IFD lead because he does he, he doesn't get a lot of footage here because it only lasts for 15 minutes. Their storyline. But that that is a promising thing because he is very good. He is comfortable on screen, and you know he's been better directed by other people. But um, it's not he's not brought in. It's not a backpacker that's brought in and all of that. Uh, so I, I really enjoy having Mark there because he can provide this uh, solid presence, even though his character is not very sympathetic because all he wants to do is like participate in his precious little kickboxing tournament and not having to deal with. Lucifer. So he's, uh, he's a bit of a prick. It's his brother that's the 
humane one out of them, but then obviously as the plot says, the brother dies, so has to change his tack. It's that big dramatic theme that we're dealing with here, but he's he's such like he's such a sarcastic prick too towards her, the nun. I've forgotten her name, but uh, like he's rolling his eyes when they're sitting on the couch, like Lucifer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's sure, a, sure it is. It's, it's it's such a wonderful kind of goofy choice to have him written like that like like like, 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 let's make you really unlikable and then turn it all around and that signals IFD thinking a little bit rather than just adhering to formula that they've been doing for for a number of years but i would gather as we cut to the old movie that the the old question that we pose here is the cut and paste illusion intact i would guess bet that it's a big old no from your side and i wouldn't blame you because they cut from 1992 to 1975 and that doesn't really work right you know uh it's not the the era that's really the problem it's the fact that you're you're cutting together an asian ghost story with a kickboxer versus satanist story yeah that too but it is really noticeable that it's there's no chance that they were the same. They are the same. Like it's yeah. so. So it's it's really distant. Not embarrassing, but it's just a matter of fact. But uh, yeah, because in my sort of feeble mind, I can sort of just agree with the fact that sure, sure, like like an, a, a ghost story with this plot. Well, I mean, but uh, you, you're right there in a way too. That, uh, but 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 they sort of establish it well without muddling the plot here. You know, they establish that Eileen was a fellow undercover of the nun and. And now she's getting married and she's trying to get away from, from the Satanists. But uh, they normally had these poor exposition dumps in these movies. So at least they're making it clear, but they're never touching on it again, which makes it, after a while, just feel like three quarters of a movie and a little movie. Two mm-hmm. separate things here. Because, you know, if you think about it, is it supposed to indicate that the Satanists are the ones that are you know placing the apparitions in the house that must that must be what they what they're trying to pretend is going on because they never mention it again that's the point it's not that they come back in another scene <laughs> yeah she spooked them really good boss and they don't even do that <laughs> that's that's pretty accurate that's that's exactly what they normally would have done yeah so they they sort of do, they make it clear but they drop it completely so then again you you start to assess as much like a review and sort of make determinations if the original seems any good or not. I don't think it's a terrible waste or anything because you're sort of, oh, okay, some some horror tactics going on here. Let's see if they're any good because they're using, um, you know, more classic horror tactics. You, you see early signs of, you know, the bad omen that is a black cat in the night. and uh, Well, a tuxedo cat. It, it, took, it took a little bit of the, 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 the scary out of it by being an adorable black and white tuxedo why you wimps have let me down one of you has to be punished he's the one who fucked up he should be punished bullshit you liar ifd made sure to uh, to produce as uh, as much of a moody soundtrack as they could because i'm pretty sure that they revamped it all it's not uh, the original cues are not present here so they revamped it by stealing music from halloween and nightmare on elm street reanimator Oh, was the reanimator in there as well? Yep. Yeah. Nice. Towards the end, like the the, the band score there. What's, what's his name? Charles Band? Is that the composer or Richard Band? Richard Band, I think, was the composer. So, yeah, that I recognize. But I heard Halloween too. Uh, or I thought I heard Halloween because it sounded a note of three off. 
So maybe not technically stealing as these things go. On its own merits, it's not yes, it's not complete here, but you know, all the horror tactics that it uses the obsessed, is it notable at all what they're doing here, or is it uh, more of the same that one million other movies have done better, in your opinion? I don't know. It didn't it didn't thrill me. I mean there's a lot of uh colored lighting being used as as the scary effect. The ghost, uh, you know, they throw some green light on or some blue light or something, and it's like, okay. Because it certainly isn't creepy. I, 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 that's not my point, that I, that I felt the chills or anything, but uh, it isn't the worst, like, in terms of, like, it's not uh, poorly trying to use these uh, these tacks. It tries to set up mood with the tuxedo cat, <laughs> but also you see these... Uh, strange wedding photos to someone in the photos and uh, it doesn't go frantic on us with a lot of uh, quick zoom-ins that Hong Kong cinema love doing. It sort of adheres to trying to build the mood, not through these incredibly uh, nauseating stings, like these fake scares, these fake startles or anything like that. So at least it tries to dedicate itself to the mood and building up the mood, uh, which I appreciated even though it never went any truly creepy places because yes i have seen that used a ton where they where they, where they put the green light on the apparition and uh the, the, the apparition that asks at one point you know do you want melon do you like melon <laughs> and that's like the least like i wouldn't be scared shitless if i heard that in the middle of the night yeah yeah all right i'm feeling a bit peckish yeah all he cares for is his own boxing tournament Besides, I'm not too impressed with his horrible violent trend. Sophia, you can't blame him. Everybody is selfish. Everyone has his dreams. You know, we, we don't get a lot of IFT footage here, but the, the, the things we get are, are quite glorious. As I commented on before, the fight action is okay. It's serviceable too. It's got some 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 decent power as uh, Mark Houghton fights, but that is minor fun compared to sort of how a few scenes develop uh, if I'm being honest, I'm thinking, first of all, of the scene where Lucifer pits one of his minions against the other and uh, whoever whoever loses has to die or whatever. We see Wayne Archer here, the lead from Kickbox of a Champion. <laughs> this is so stupid. Apparently, because he's, he's going to be sacrificed, so you would think like when he loses, the floor would open up and uh, there'd be a serpent coming up to take him down and into hell. But no, apparently... The losing factor here is not being sacrificed to Satan, but being punched in the dick. Yes. Okay, that's 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 really metal. That's 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 what Satan would do. The most hellish of pain. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, Wayne Archer turns up later in the movie. That's one of the disciples that Mark Houghton fights at the end of the movie. So he doesn't get sacrificed to Satan, but maybe he's uh, uh, demoted to standing outside. That's like oh, man. That, that, that's hell enough to be outside yeah. in the daylight. Uh. In his uh, sack, in his uh, potato sack. But so it's it's one of those like it's goofy as made, and it actually works because it's decent action and it's so the silly dialogue because it all involves Satanists. It becomes gloriously silly because of that. Like no, master, no, no, you promised, you promised to not sacrifice me, and then he turns up later, and there it is. I thought that that, that sort of middle fight when when he gets punched in the in the crotch is just. <laughs> <laughs> it's whether they intended it to be that funny. I'm sure they did it, but uh, it worked. It, uh, it it totally worked. So it was fun, 
sitting through, so to say, all their scenes in their very sparse uh, sparse set. Okay, if they didn't go to the store to buy these um, sacks, they must have gone to the Halloween store and raided it for plastic skulls, plastic green skulls and candles and stuff. That, that was one thing that amused me. Like, like I'm going to question plot here. Was the deal, the, the deal about uh, destroying Lucifer is about finding a few containers where his essence is in, in and whatever. Is the deal here that they're in those cheap plastic skulls? Because as Mark Houghton knocks them over at the end, Lucifer goes, Oh, no! Mm-hmm. Do you think that was it? Because that was stupid, if so. That yeah, was, that's, I mean, that's exactly what that was. Satan is really, really stupid. To put that, like, like reachable. <laughs> like, anyone can knock them over by accident. They're just on the, on the poles of the uh, boxing ring. I mean, I'm, I'm having such a good time thinking about it because it is a lot of fun. And uh, do you think that would have survived? Like having the ratio reverse, do you think they could have maintained that energy if we would have had a Ninja Operation Night and Warrior re- reverse situation here? No, there's not enough material for it. Sean, listen to me, please. Her life is threatened by the devil. What if she told us it's true? Sean, then we have to help her. As we cut back to the obsessed, it has a some you know some some elements here. We got a forest attack, pre Evil Dead. So there's there's, gl- there's glimpses of tack being like the tactics be, being very much competent, but the whole of the obsessed seems very basic and average slash serviceable, depending on the scene. Um, it be and, and it doesn't really when we get the whole big reveal of uh, why there's a ghost in the house and all of that, that doesn't take it to new levels. You sort of just watch it for its set pieces that it does provide. You know, there's some some priests here that channels the dead wife and, uh, and you get some climax in you know, windy woods and things like that. So, you know, if I had it right here and now and could watch it in a without uh with subtitles and all that i would but it doesn't signal like a hidden hong kong horror gem is uh, is the point here so uh, i suppose that's uh, really the end of my notes because there's not a whole lot to say about uh, the obsessed anyway that um it's fun to have a hong kong movie and an it movie for once and that it's a horror movie is fun but if anything, I mean, Diamond Ninja Force, I think, was more enjoyable in terms of combining their silly stuff with an older, in that case, also Hong Kong movie. Uh, uh, sorry, a horror movie. I just found that a little bit more fun, I suppose. But uh, it's not like this is 3 out of 5 and Diamond Ninja Force was 5 out of 5 or anything. But I thought, uh, my memory is that uh, that was a bit more fun. Master, Sean always gets in our way. I want to teach him a lesson. Ah... You know, my weakness is that uh, when all is said and done. Like, if it's a completely different genre, then I'm, I pay attention a lot more. Before I give you my final notes on the IFD finale and the action, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it to you to see. What else do you want to talk about? You know, the only other thing I have is that the ghost at the end, um, when they kind of have their big finale and the ghost is running around killing people, uh, she's got her crazy coyote teeth in, and it's hilarious. You know, Hong Kong horror at that point, it wasn't their bread and butter. You know, Shaw Brothers, mainly, you know, action, an action studio and drama studio. And they occasionally did some cool horror movies. So it, it would happen a bit more in the 80s for everyone as, um, as different studios started doing stuff like, uh, you know, Devil Fetus and the seeding of a ghost and uh, great, like, graphic, gnarly, like, disgusting movies like that. You know, black magic type of movies. So Hong Kong Horror was a bit more in its infancy and it would explode into 
this frantic nature in the 80s. I mean, if you're if you're curious about how gory and crazy Hong Kong movies could get in then when employing horror, then the 80s is where it's at. Uh, the former half of the 80s with the, with uh, the likes of Devil Fetus and uh, Seeding of a Ghost and um, some, uh, Boxer's Omen, of course, is a, quite a quotable a quotable movie. So and and the obsessed. Uh, doesn't it's more traditional and uh, becomes basic than than anything else and that's uh, a decent grade it's not a failure but basic is not a break a breakout or anything i'll take care of lucifer's two fucking servants but but the ifd my final ifd notes uh sean obviously must destroy satan and he will because now the nun is also kidnapped so he has you know at moody showdowns with the servants in broad daylight come on <laughs> I mean, it's an obvious setup for a fight, but that's not crap your pants, scary or moody for your finale. Like you just walk up to a servants and they're standing on a beach, and it's a, it's a nice day, and it's not like when they defeat them that they turn into ashes or anything like that. They just sort of like as happens in these fights, they sort of uh, and then dies. Yeah, well, they're just they're just guys, they're disciples, they're not demons themselves. Come on, cut cut them some slack. He did get punched in the dick, after all, uh, one of them. So That's true, yeah. But but the Sledgehammer fight is actually quite good, I thought. That, 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 that was like a fight concept that, that they clinched quite well uh, because the exchanges between uh, Mark Houghton and the other gent, they're quite good. You know, for, for, for such a concept, I thought they did well. Or what did you think um, in, in general? Yeah, I don't think I'd seen a Sledgehammer fight before. So, uh, I mean, it seems strange that that would be the weapon of choice for the devil's main disciple, but wh- whatever. It seemed it seemed to be a poor choice uh, from Lucifer's standpoint because it's the bad guy who uh, destroys the first of the life force containing skulls, and Satan has the balls to say idiots, idiots. Like, yeah, who was the idiot, motherfucker? <laughs> I mean, come on. The, the problem here is we get a longer IFD fight, but parts two and three of the fight between Mark Halton and, and uh, the other guy—I don't know his name—they're not as good. So it's actually we we want sometimes more. But in this case, they can't really uh, bring it home uh, as well. Uh, they, they open strong with the sledgehammer fight. Uh, but uh, then again, we, we we get the plastic skulls being knocked over and, uh, you know, Satan dying a theatrical death. Oh, no! You know, hands mm-hmm. out and all of that. How was it? Painful? <coughs> I don't know what pain is, but you do, huh? So, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's highly recommended just because it's kind of daft, but uh, I'm, I'm laughing at and with it and... Uh, for diehards, possibly only. I mean, if you if you're this far into IFD uh, territory, uh, when you've started to um, explore kickboxers, you know, then you must you're, you're surely in. So therefore, kickboxer from hell is not a difficult uh, difficult uh, one to approach. I think. I mean, uh, when you think back on on uh, on the other kickboxer movies, is this more fun than the likes of Kickboxer King and Kickboxer the Champion when it goes for something uh, more out there? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember uh, which uh, which was it that had the two other movies that were the source films? Uh, Kickbox of a Champion. That was dreadful. Uh, and so, no, this is this is great. I would absolutely say this is the Kickboxer movie of the ones that we've seen to watch. Kickboxer King is great because it has the source movie uh, stunt stunt madness, obviously, but it is still adhering to a, f- a more straight formula, uh, action formula. And I wonder. I mean, I, I might be thinking that it's better than it's than it will be but the kickbox the robo kickboxer movie that they did it's called something else that has no kickboxer or robo in the title but that just looks marvelous and i hope it is it i truly hope it is energetic 
but knowing our luck, it might be the most boring Thai movie underneath and stiff kickboxing action footage because they can't figure out how to do choreography with the guy in the robo suit. Are you willing to take a chance with me? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Why not? Uh, yep, it's not as, as extensive, that catalogue, but uh, we got a good 10 or 15 of those, I think. Uh, not all are called kickbox. I mean, there's someone called the fight of the winner, so obviously you, you don't know sometimes what you've stumbled upon. <laughs> oh, I love to hear that. Right, should we go to availability and finish this one off then? Let's do it. It's a short section. I mean, uh, it's only available um, in cropped form, whether you get it uh, officially or not. And, and this was surely a 2.35 frame movie, because when the original was made, pretty much every Hong Kong movie, comedy, drama, action was shot in that wide format. Uh, but it, it is actually... Uh, I was surprised to see this, Ed. I don't know if you noticed it, but I was surprised it was sort of properly panned and scanned. So the framing was always good you never saw like just hands like in the frame and the rest was cropped out yeah oh absolutely well in fact i had to do a a double take when there's a scene of a ghost hand appearing and we pan over to see the character's reaction i thought wow how did they motion track that composite shot because it's perfect and then i realized that it's just because it's pan and scanned and, he, and even in uh, the latter fight scene with mark houghton and uh and maybe wayne archer outdoors they're, they're doing the classic thing of standing on uh, at the edge of the frame, both of them. And, and you got one of those pan and scan camera moves, uh, artificial camera moves, if you will, uh, added to that as well. And I, th- that wasn't a given at IFD. Uh, normally it was just sort of sent to crop and deal with it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the big 235 moves obviously suffer a lot from this. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, the composition is uh, therefore very good considering it's all cropped. Uh, there is a US DVD listing on the label Kung Fu DVD. I, I shouldn't be a dick and sort of say that that isn't official, but it sounds half fishy. So it might be official, might not be. But I did see it go for over 25 US dollars at the time of research. And it's a little too steep for a possible bootleg that is cropped as well, in my opinion. Uh, so I, I got a, a less expensive version. Let's just say that. that that's the same um, That's the same transfer. Yeah, I would love to see an official one of Kickboxer from Hell. And uh, our friends in Germany might do one. Uh, it really depends on if it's on some German format or has been on some German format before. Uh, so uh, Because they don't want to sort of step on anyone else's toes that uh, that have the movie. Next time, um, you, you know, we, we, we do these uh, shows. Uh, we, we don't do them every week, so therefore we don't plan each and every episode out way in advance. So, so it's uh, time to hit the Ninja podcasting drawing board and perhaps mix what is to us a known classic. I'm thinking like Ninja Dragon. Richard oh, Harrison yeah. movie, yeah. Decent little uh, Taiwanese gangster actioner underneath there. And maybe maybe something else from over at Filmark or something else obscure. Maybe we'll take the robo kickboxing movie. But we have the option to pick freely now that we've passed those episodes that cover the history in a basic manner. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm also open to suggestions from, uh, from anyone and from you, Ed. But... Uh, Ninja Dragon, I know, is a favorite of, for instance, Jesus Perez Molina, and I quite like Ninja Dragon. It's a, it's a solid Richard Harrison, Paolo Tocha movie. Or maybe Paolo Tocha was only in that glorious card scene at the beginning of the movie. I just saw him Stone Cold. Yeah, he was in that. You're right. Bloodsport as well. Uh, bigger role in Bloodsport. So we'll, uh, we have a widescreen version of Ninja Dragon at our disposal as well. So it's one of those we can watch on its own uh, terms, truly. 
But uh, for the moment, we're going to finish this one off. So this has been the Golden Ninja Podcast on the Podcast No Fire Network. And we are on podcastnofire.com along with all our other shows on various Hong Kong movies, Korean, Japanese, and even sleazy movies. And we do website exclusive bonus episodes every now and again. Email us if you have any questions or feedback, podcastnofire at googlemail.com. Join us over on Facebook and the various social media. You can just follow us via the handy buttons at the top of our website to our Facebook and Twitter, as well as to our iTunes feed and our Stitcher radio page. And you can also stream us on Stitcher radio via their applications on the Apple App Store and Google Play, all free too. And I write about these kind of movies, including uh, The Ones Tonight. Uh, so so check that writing and my video reviewing out. That's SoGoodReviews.com and SleazyKVideo.com. And my Twitter handle is at SoGoodReviews. Ed, plug away. And uh, are you going to start drawing out my dream the Mission Force, uh, <laughs> the Mission Force series for me now. Kickboxer, the winner, the Mission Force. I'll, I'll get right on that. <laughs> Make me episodes right away. All right. <laughs> and where would they be posted? Therefore, they would be posted at neonharbor.com. That's my production company website, where you can see the existing episodes of the real show Ninja: The Mission Force, uh, which parodies the sort of IFD stuff that we talk about on this show. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at twitter.com/neon_harbor and on Facebook at facebook.com/ Neon Harbor. Excellent, excellent. Well, while you think of that, and uh, while I say thank you, listeners, for listening, you gotta also remember the following I am the champion of the ninjas. (laughs) 